Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 126. Altai here, joined by... Omer. Right. As always, we have a great uh, podcast for you guys this week. A lot of fun discussions. And this week, we're going to start with a kind of a charged discussion on the weekly raid. So take it away, Altai. It's a good one. All right. This is a good one. And it did come up in the pregame a little bit. So it's a very generic question here. Are PC MMORPGs dead? We've got a sub. So... Hopefully he th- he says they're not dead, but we'll see. Um, as we know, the genre has been in a bit of a glut. If you do a simple Google trend search for the term MMORPG, I took a little screenshot here, you can see that interest peaked sometime in 2009 and has been declining ever since. It is now far lower than it was back in 2004, and that's the year World of Warcraft came out. So uh, what do you think, Amar? Is it is it dead? We got a chance here. What's going on? I don't think it's dead, but it does say something about the industry quite a bit when you have the biggest MMORPG news of the year being a World of Warcraft classic server relaunch. Right? Like one of the biggest <laughs> news we've had this year, and probably something I'm most hyped for, is now this World of Warcraft classic server. A 2004 MMORPG that's literally just launching an old version of the game. It has people really hyped over it again. But I think the PC numbers are definitely not encouraging. I don't think... That's why I always... When people say MMORPGs are dead, I say you're wrong. They're not dead. They're in this big glut here in the West, right? And if you look at it, the mobile as well, it's definitely not that at all. It's probably increasing. But I do think PC and RPGs here in the West are definitely in decline. But I'm not quite ready to call them dead just yet. But remember, that's what we're talking about, uh, PC MMORPGs. So, yeah, you're correct. The, a lot of mobile MMORPGs are killing it right now. We got mm-hmm. games like Lineage 2 Revolution, which we did play together on a Grindfest several weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That game is killing it. They're making you know, hundreds of millions of dollars banking that money lineage m which is a uh mobile version of the classic lineage one is also doing very well in korea mm-hmm. so the genre as a whole is just fine is just fine boys but the problem i feel is with this segment that we grew up in which is the pc mrpg uh and i do think it's i do i do i do think it's it's terminally ill Omar, i gotta say terminally ill all right look it's in decline but let's let, let's let's look step back and try to look at this a bit objectively right We've had a couple of big game launches. We've had uh, Black Desert Online, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not like a super old game. I mean, it's it's taken taken the West by storm as well. I mean, it's consistently over 10,000 players on Steam. Those numbers are nothing to laugh at. You know, maybe it's not a PUBG. Yeah. It's not a Dota 2. It's not a CSGO. But I don't think it's fair to say it's dead when you have these games still launching. We've had a, a pretty big reveal this week for a brand new, I, I don't want to say AAA more RPG, but like, no way. I, I hate the word AAA. It's, it's the stupidest word ever. But like, when I, we've seen so many crap Korean games launching, right? Crap Korean and Chinese MMORPGs launching, which are low budget. Like Tartarus Online just relaunched this, uh, launched this like two weeks ago, and it's like this really low budget game. But then you've had Air. I mean, look, show off the trailer for Air. I would love uh, to. I would love to. So this game was just announced a few days ago. Uh, I do want to play the trailer a little. It's a, it's a long one, and uh, we can talk a little bit about it afterwards. But first, I do want to play it for a, few, a minute or two here, guys. So please enjoy this level. I will turn the sound up as well. We'll, we'll talk a bit through that as well, right? Can we do that? Okay, I'll, I'll mute it then. Sure, we can just talk okay. about how this is going. I think Air looks really cool. And this is um, this is not a cheap MMORPG. It clearly looks like, you know, uh, the, the developer, Bluehole, is spending money on this. Like, this is this is not a shuffleware game. This is They're going to spend millions and millions of dollars on this game. So it shows that these Korean companies are still willing to invest in MMORPGs. And if, that was, if, the, if the case was that they were dead, they wouldn't do it anymore. Obviously, mobile kind of arose and is taking away a lot of dollars away from PC and MRPG development. But the fact that we're still getting new announcements and new projects like Air 
shows us that nobody thinks it's dead. It might be a smaller market, but I don't think it's dead. And Air and uh, Black Desert Online are good examples of why it's not quite dead just yet. I, I honestly was super hyped about Air. I love the steampunk aesthetic, um, but I do have some big worries. First of all, I love this trailer. This trailer is literally five minutes of like almost gameplay, right? Basically gameplay. And so many reveal trailers these days are just nonsense CGI, like, you know, cinematic style with no gameplay. Mm -hmm. So props on them for actually showing a game. It's going to be in closed beta testing first half of 2018. So this is not years away. It's coming out. It's going to be playable by us here in the West in, you know, a few short months. But with that said, I don't think this kind of uh, counters my point that the PC genre from RPGs is in terminal decline. This game or is being made on Unreal 3. Okay, that's a bit questionable, but it, it, that, that probably goes back to the, the engine that they're most familiar with. This might be like a studio issue. Like maybe the developers are very comfortable with Unreal 3 and they feel they can accomplish no, what they, they want to Unreal they can't. 3. Uh, a lot of you guys have uh, been talking about the optimization issues in this in this trailer. Uh, guess what? Because Unreal 3, because it's Unreal 3, those, those optimization issues are not going away. Okay? The, the, up, Unreal 3 is the same engine that Bluehole used for Terra back in 2011. So the, That's so bizarre. The engine they're using is literally uh, a whole console generation ago. Okay? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's really unfortunate. But there it is. There's there so must many... be a reason they're using Unreal 3. I don't know. It just, they're just bad. I feel like we, we got to get an interview set with Bluehole. Like, why are you still using Unreal 3? It's been like six years, well, seven it's, years. It's because they started development on this game uh, several years ago, probably. Because if they just... Mm-hmm. With the gameplay we're seeing now, uh, there's no way they started working, you know, anytime recently, right? This reveal was sure. this reveal is uh, pretty late into the process for once uh, in terms of mm-hmm. development. So you made a good point as well. The Terra was an unoptimized, horrible mess when it launched. And honestly, Terra remained unoptimized for a long time. And I think we've all realized how important optimization is. And speaking of, you know, other big MMORPG launches of, of recent times, Bless, it was a complete failure, obviously. They spent over $60 million on Bless. But Bless is launching in the West in 2018. So that game, again, they didn't give up on it completely. Another, you know, NeoWiz is still spending money making Bless, and it's going to launch here in the West as well. So that kind of shows there's still a market as well. But we've seen how badly a game will do if it's unoptimized. Bless was a, I thought it was a pretty fun game, actually. The, my biggest concern with Bless was that it was unplayably unoptimized, which is bizarre because they released a game that was unplayable. And then now we're seeing the Ascent Infinite Realm video, which the game looks cool. It's got the steampunk vibe to it. It's got these massive open areas. It looks neat. But the fact that you mentioned it's on Unreal 3 and the fact that even the trailer stutters, like the video they captured for their global reveal trailer that's supposed to build up hype and it's supposed to be epic has really stuttery low FPS drops. and like, what's going on? Like, how does it happen? Like, you just remake the trailer. Like, make sure what you capture isn't, like, unoptimized nonsense. I don't know why they put that trailer together and they left bits of pieces of it that just were unoptimized. Okay, so someone asked... They, they can fix that. Someone asked why they're not using the BDO engine. And it's important to realize, guys, this game is being developed by Blue Hole. It is being published uh, in America and Europe by Kakao Games. So Kakao Games, the guys that made... Uh, uh, the guys, you know, publishing, developing uh, BDO are not the guys developing uh, Ascent, Infinite Realm. They're just publishing it here in uh, the West. So they can't they can't use the BDO engine. They don't they don't own that. They don't have, you know, the rights to it. <laughs> and, and the more we look at these, actually, like, you know, we've seen a lot of it more over the years. I mean, this might be a side discussion later. I feel like if you make your own engine from scratch, I feel like it doesn't mean a lot. Like so many games we've seen just just slap on Unreal or Unity ends up being like unoptimized and have their own problems. Like I feel like 
a lot of games that, that are really successful kind of use their own engines as well, and, and it kind of shows. Like, the BDO engine I thought was pretty solid. Like, it, it runs really well. I mean, the, you only render so far in front of you, but I thought it was really, really smooth. Like, I, I have a top-tier PC, and when I played Terra, I would lag. Like, lagging in Terra in, like, 2016, 2017 is, is insane. The game is old as hell, but I would still lag on that game. And, and certain other newer games, I would still just lag in because it's unoptimized Unreal. It just, whereas when you play a game with its own engine, usually it just runs way better. And that fluidity is unbelievably important. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's funny that, uh, to wrap it back to the weekly raid, guys, there are so many uh, mobile MMORPGs being announced recently, uh, releasing recently, that are being powered by Unreal 4. So oftentimes mm -hmm. we're seeing a, um, the mobile MMORPGs on a newer engine, a newer version of the same engine, actually. So it just shows you where the uh, forward thinking is in, in the industry. Also, I mean, back to the weekly raid for a moment. You're saying, you know, our PC and RPGs is dead, right? Mm -hmm. uh, your argument that PC and RPGs are dead kind of lies in, in the terminal fact that decline. Mobile... So we're not dead yet, but dead. In, in terminal decline. Yeah. Rest on the fact that mobile games are rising, correct? Uh, and it's displacing yeah. it. Well, first off, five months sub by Eugens. Thank you so much. Resub there. Uh, is uh, is on mobile increasing? No, no, not just that. So I said there's two there's two uh, flanks here. So from the right, bam, we got mobile getting coming in right and on the left bam mm -hmm. we got big publishers ditching uh, uh mrpgs after wow came out every big you know western publisher whether it was ea you know they wanted to make an mrpg because they thought well that's where the money is like this, this game is huge but since then mm -hmm. they've shied away from those big projects so what we're seeing instead are uh ports from asia and we're seeing indie kickstarter uh games we're not seeing big studios going after this uh, market Yes and no. The problem is they all got burnt trying to copy uh, okay. yeah. the existing games. Also, if you look at it, that's like saying MOBAs are dead because like literally everyone on their mother released the MOBA. EA released their own MOBA. Like, there's been countless MOBAs that tried copying League of Legends and Dota, mm -hmm. and they've all failed. We've had the, the DC Universe one, the DC one as well, uh, Infinity Crisis. I there's been so many MOBAs, and they've all failed because they just tried copying Dota. We've been through that phase with World of, War World of Warcraft clones. That doesn't mean the genre is dead. Whoa. Again, we still see new games. Are we seeing new games in the MOBA? The dirt? No, no I, I would say the MOBA is in decline as well. I mean, you still got League. That's doing, but League has sucked all the oxygen. There's no, there is no MOBA. Oh, League is growing. There is no MOBA. How can you say, how can you say MOBAs are dead when League is adding more, more active players every year? Because my point is, um, League is growing. There's no, there's no such thing as a MOBA genre. There's just League of Legends. Okay. But if League is growing and League is a MOBA, it's growing no, the genre. League is not a MOBA. It is the MOBA. It is like there's no there's no point to having a genre specific tag when there's only one game that's still growing in the whole in the whole. Dota know. Two is a MOBA, but it's not growing. It's shrinking, yeah. But it's still, yeah, but it's still got hundreds of thousands of concurrent users. Mm -hmm. It's like one tenth the size of League, maybe, but it's still a big game. It's one of the biggest but it's PC decline, games in the but world. It's in decline. It's in, it's in decline. Sure, but, okay. but my my point is that just because one game dominates, yeah. Also. That, that, that may not apply for World of Warcraft or MRPGs because World of Warcraft is not growing anymore, maybe. You know? mm -hmm. they, they've already, they, I mean, they haven't touched it in a while. Exactly. I would argue the MOBA genre is probably even more dead than MRPGs at this point. My point, okay. I mean, it's, you know? it's, <laughs> MRPGs I would, in the West, I would say, are definitely in a, in a downward slope right now. However, it's, it's honestly, the biggest, I think one of the biggest reasons is we've had no innovation. Let's be real. Like, there's been almost no innovation in MRPG games since how long? Like forever. Yeah, very They're basically yeah. just reskinned World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. Like there's been nothing fundamentally different at all. And if you look at games 
like Ultima Online, Dark Age of Camelot, EverQuest. Like this one, the genre is new. People are trying out new things. Like it, it's weird that there's been so little new stuff. Like I, I was playing Final Fantasy XIV the other night. I, I like that game a lot. But like I'm doing some dungeons for my leveling roulette and stuff. And like there's like no patrol mobs even. Like when you run through a dungeon, there's there's no patrol mobs. Like that was like we've had that in, in EverQuest, in Dark Age of Camelot. I think World of Warcraft had patrol mobs as well. Yeah. Like why not? Like there's so little innovation. There might, be, there might be one or two dungeons in the whole game that are patrol mobs, by the way, but like 90%, 90% dungeons don't have it. Well, there's, there's like so little innovation in MMORPGs as a whole. You've had literally nothing new. I mean, think of it this way, okay? So, like I said, Terra came out in 2011, mm-hmm. and it was on Unreal 3. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Air, Ascent, Infinite uh, Realm coming out in 2018. That's a seven-year gap, right? Yeah. Now, if I play you that trailer for Terra and a, a trailer for Ascent, Infinite Air... You, the games are very, they look somewhat similar. You know, in fact, my girlfriend walked by when I was playing it uh, this morning and he said, oh, is that is that Terra? Because she used to play Terra. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, is this, ter- is, this like a, is this like an update for Terra? I'm like, no, it's a different game by the same studio. Mm-hmm. And now compare that to Ultima Online, which came out in 1998. I'm going to play a trailer. I'm going to play a video here. So this, is, this game, 1998, Ultima Online came out, guys. And this is what it looks like. So imagine this now. So this is, this is 2000, it was 1998. Now, six years later, this this came out. World of Warcraft. Now, look how different these two are, right? Now, that's a six-year gap between these two games. Mm-hmm. That's that's shorter than the gap between Terra and Ascent Infinite Realm. That's actually pretty amazing. Going from the 2D Ultima line to Terra and World of Warcraft. Like, there's an enormous gap over yeah. there between how fast... And, and that's why I think captured people's imagination right with mrpgs this virtual living world became like going from this 2d ultima line look to world of warcraft to terra and stuff the world just felt so much more alive the problem with mrpgs there's been no innovation somebody said in the chat no matter what mrpgs will be killing boars from non-existent livers right or like boar blood vials and shit right and, and it's really unfortunate that we've had no innovation there there are a couple of studios trying to do shit there's uh, you know obviously star citizen is trying to change the genre but uh, there are two um, it, I don't want to go to that discussion, but like you also have the other crowdfunding game. What's it called? Uh, Chronicles of Valeria. Like mm-hmm. at least their design is something different. Like they're trying to do something different. I, I don't think per- either game will actually succeed because I don't think either game will ever come out. But they're, they're, at least they're trying something different. We haven't seen anything different from bigger studios who've invested in this genre, you know. And all the Korean studios that are doing this, we still get a new like uh, we still get a new anime RPG every year. Like the guys over at uh, that they make Aura Kingdom, Twin Saga. X Legend guys, they just they just churn out a brand new anime RPG every year and it's the same shit over and over again. Like those games are kind of fun, but there's nothing new. How can they how could the genre grow when all we have are WoW clones and, and low budget Korean nonsense games? Some of those games are fun. Like don't get me wrong. Like, you, you you can play Soul Worker and have a lot of fun with it. You can have fun with closers, but I, I you cannot tell me that closers is even remotely innovative. There's literally nothing original about closers. And that game just launched into uh, I think close bit of this last week. Which actually is another fun discussion of nonsense about charging money for closed beta. But closers has zero new innovative features. None. If you, if you, like, you could actually mistake closers for like a dozen other games and have the same DFO style gameplay, whether it's Dragon S, DFO, Vindictus, Soul Worker Online. There are there are at least fifty games that have the exact same gameplay as closers. So yeah, I mean, games like that aren't going to push the genre forward. No. And it's so obvious. Let's, we should make a prediction. When do we think closers will close down? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think it'll do well. Uh, honestly, like the game isn't awful, but like the thing is, it, it literally offers nothing new. Like I know people might like closes out there. I mean, there's some cool characters, but like nothing new. Literally, no. I've played that before. You've played any game like closes? You've played closers. 
Uh, and MMORPGs aren't supposed to be like that. Your little rant you there. More. Your little rant there actually um, reminded me of Asta Online, which closed again. Mm-hmm. I think I think we mentioned it last week. But the funny thing is, this game Asta was was built as the WoW of the East. You know, it was supposed to be this big game. Uh, it came out in like 2000, I believe 16 in the West, and immediately shut down twice now. Uh, yeah, rip Asta. Uh, it, it, I think it lasted. For, it came out in April of this year, guys, and now it's closing in December. So how many months is that? May, June, July. Less than less than a year. Yeah, right? eight months. Less than a year. Eight month life sh- uh, shelf life on Asta Online, guys. All right, you want to talk about some hype? Actually, though, like we've we've been a little negative here with the genre. Here's here's my defense of the genre as well. There is still hope. There are games like Perry Chronicles. We talked about this in the past, right? Perry Chronicles seems to at least be doing something different, or at least try to do something different. And the fact that it's not some random random indie studio and they're backed by Nexon gives me hope that this game might actually happen, right? I mean, the game's been delayed. And it hasn't come out yet. It hasn't, like, hasn't, at least, I don't know. It's not looking too good for it. There's been nothing on Paracross in some time, right? But at least when I saw that trailer and I saw what they're trying to do, I'm like, holy shit, like, here's an MMORPG that's not just copying every other game. And this is why, this is probably one of my most hyped, like, Korean or foreign game releases, like, in America, like, eventually. Like, they're actually trying to do something different. And it looks nice. I love the graphics. I like the art style a lot. It, it looks really cool. Like, it's got this, like, maybe, like, Mabinogi style graphics as well, but, like, just really fucking sharp. Speaking of. Mabinogi as well was an MMORPG like no other. Like oh, at yeah. least, I feel like there are MMORPGs that were actually different. No, no, no. Right? But, they, they but, but, but that's not a very old game, Mabinogi anymore. So it's not, I know it's not any time recently. It's not. It's not recently, right? But yeah. it is like we do, we did get some new games, but like so many of the big budget games and all the big studios did nothing but pour their money into WoW clones, and, and all we got were shitty do, WoW clones. You, why would you play a WoW clone when you play WoW? Do you know when uh, Mabinogi came out, guys? That's an old one too, about two thousand and five. It came out in 2004 before World of Warcraft in, in, in Korea. So that's wow. a very old game, yeah. And it's it's different at least, you know? Mabinogi Mobile might, might might do well as well, but that's not coming out for a while. But look at this trailer. Like, I, I want to play Perry Chronicles. Like That's a game I actually am looking forward to play. And I know it's not going to be just another WoW clone, you know, with the user-created content and stuff like that. I, I've been saying for a long time, I think um, the the next big MRPG, the next, that, what will push the genre forward will be... Some kind of player created content, like some <laughs> built in emphasis on that. Because, like, it almost feels like if you compare it to like the internet days, right? The term web 1.0, web 2.0 was web 1.0 was always like a webmaster made a website and put content on it, right? Like your yeah. typical website. Web 2.0 is stuff like Reddit, is stuff like Facebook, is like Twitter, where you, you build a platform and users create the content, right? Mm-hmm. And we've had. We've never had all our MMORPGs are basically MMORPG 1.0 in, in oh, that reference. Here we go, boys. 2.0 listen, update coming. And we know that 2.0 works. We know it works because it's worked for the internet, right? And not only that, it's worked for fucking world for Warcraft 3. It's worked for StarCraft 1. Warcraft 3 custom maps where players could actually create the content and maps have led to the creation of multi-billion dollar industries. It led to the creation of MOBAs. It led to the popularization of tower defenses. The amount of creative energy and shit that came out of Warcraft 3 is mind-boggling. And what's unbelievable to me is that Blizzard dropped the ball. They oh, yeah. didn't they didn't they they didn't monetize that at all. They didn't they could have created a new game that was just a platform because Warcraft 3 as a, as an RTS was nowhere near as successful as what Warcraft 3 was as a platform for creativity, as a platform for custom maps. Like the fact that Blizzard doesn't own Dota is is remarkable. They really dropped the ball on that as well. Yeah. But if they just made 
a game that was standalone. Fuck the RTS element. Fuck all that other shit. Make it a map maker. Make like an RPG maker, right? This this game engine that's literally just lets players unleash their creativity. Well, and you didn't have to be some some hardcore programmer to make maps on Warcraft 3. It was it's almost like RPG maker. It's kind of made easy. So 2.0 for we need we need an MRPG 2.0. I mean, it, it's weird that nobody saw it with Warcraft 3. But if if a company makes a game that allows players to make their own shit for other players. Not only is it cheaper to develop, you don't have to keep making new expansions. Like you just add tools and let players make their own content and you kind of set up how they can do it, right? That's gonna be the next innovation in RPGs. And I don't know if it's ever when it's gonna happen. But whoever does it well, I think it's gonna make a killing. I th- and it's gonna kill wow, it's gonna kill everything else. I think it's very tough to do what you're saying in in this genre. So what you're saying still works. Um, you know, the Battle Royale, for example, came out of a mod for a, a tactical shooter, the Arma. So what you're saying is still there, you know, the mod, you know, games with custom map editors spawning new games and genres is still there, but I just don't know if it can translate to uh, the MMORPG genre. That that seems to be the well. We've point. seen uh, Legends of Aria kind of try it, but again, now now you just call Shards Online. Now it's Legends of Aria. It almost feels like they really doubled down their single player content, though, which kind of upsets me because the goal of Legends of Aria slash Shards Online from the get go was that they kind of provide these server tool sets and they allow their players to create their own shards. And each shard was run by other players. They build their own world within that shard, right? So again, it lets players unleash their creative energy. But then they realized, you know, this was always kind of a niche game. It was never very big. And then the day they kind of pivoted to a more traditional MMORPG, right? So they went with the, they called, they changed the name to Legend of Aria and they, they, they increased the world size by like five, 10 times or something crazy. And they added all this content that they've made. But this is what's weird. I don't think the development team in Legend of Aria could possibly create this game that can compete with WoW in terms of content. In a, in a theme park experience, you're never going to beat WoW. You're never going to beat Final Fantasy XIV. That's why you you have to double down, not on just trying to make theme park shit. You have to double down on giving players the tools to make their own games. That's the only way, especially a smaller studio, will ever compete with the big theme park boys. So that's what I don't know why they went that route. I feel like the what, what, what I was most excited about Shards Online was the whole player-created community tools. That was the most interesting part. And they doubled down on the wrong feature, I think. Uh, you know, I think you might be right. Uh, this I, I really haven't followed this in a long time. But, uh, you know, actually, you know what's funny, guys? If you uh, if you go to the official Legends of Aria YouTube channel, Citadel Studios, mm-hmm. right? I'm watching their uh, community roundtable. Yeah. And they, their own game is flagged as Guild Wars 2 by YouTube. That is hilarious. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. The official tri- video that they put up is YouTube things the Guild Wars 2. That's funny. That's hilarious. And uh, somebody mentioned that uh, Neverwinter does have the player-created dungeons. And honestly, that's my favorite part of Neverwinter by far. I, I had so much fun with the with the player-created content there. It, you, you Basically, players can make their own adventures, their own dungeons, their own storytelling. And I thought that was the most fun part. People made some really cool stories, really cool like uh, dungeons, and it was really neat. I, I thought it was way cooler than the, a lot of the stuff that Cryptic made. But you have to, like, that has to be the emphasis, I think. You have to build your game around that concept. And I think the first game that does, not just an add-on tacky feature, and you can't just slap it on and, and be a thing. I think that has to be the core gameplay experience. We have to have an MMORPG where developers just build the sandbox. They build a platform, right? Enough, and, and then players do everything else. And if that happens, that's going to push the genre forward, IMO. And who knows when that's going to happen. Well, there's a new game by the guys making Second Life that I've heard about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Sansar. Uh, it's still in development. Uh, but basically, it's supposed to... Uh, the way I see it is um, uh, Second Life 2.0, basically. 
Second Life had the worst garbage interface I've ever yeah, seen in my life. Yeah. I, I could not design a worse interface if you paid me to design it. Like if you if you say, listen, make the worst imaginable interface, I couldn't do I could not outdo Second Life. That game is unplayably bad interface. It's un, it's awful. Right, but yeah, I mean two point apparently is coming out. Sunsar. Uh uh it's got the whole, you know, custom it's gonna have the same spiel as Second Life, I think. You know, people can make their own little areas. Um they can make but, their own mini games. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool concept. Like what you can do in Second Life is tr- is remarkable. You can make your own mini games and shit. You can make your own worlds. So, like people were like, but the, but it's so unapproachable to the average person because the interface is garbage. I think if you do a Second Life with an easier interface, a much easier streamlined interface, that could be huge. I mean, let's be real. Like, uh, one of the most important aspects, and one of the biggest aspects of of online of the internet is chat, Discord, Facebook, Discord, Twitter. Facebook. All right. People go on the internet to chat with their friends. Like, let's be real. Like. I know people that log into Final Fantasy XIV, World of Warcraft, League of Legends, just to chat with their friends. Like, the game is the background, right? The game exists there kind of to, like, bring you all together. Like, people just go online to play, to play, to play with their friends, talk to their friends. And that's why I think especially the a game like Second Life with just a better interface and easier content creation tools will do really well. I mean, chat has been, like, the most successful aspect of the internet, period. So that's why the core gameplay, I think, is not that important. Because I do agree with you that making core combat mechanics and stuff may be very difficult on a, on a uh, player-created content I guess level. I'm just more pessimistic uh, than you. I, I wonder where you guys in the audience stand, but I am I am a I am a perennial pessimist, guys. Look at... Look, Viat just said something. I, I can't believe I forgot this. Sounds like fucking Roblox. Look at Roblox and Minecraft. The amazing success of those games. Roblox actually took the concept I was talking about, about, you know, gaming 2.0, MMORPG 2.0, with... They took the Warcraft 3 model, and they basically built a platform and left all their players create content for it roblox remains one of the most popular games in the world today uh, i agree i'm not dis- but here's the thing roblox came out in 2006 baby so my 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 problem is with the future not the past i think roblox is an excellent game uh, roblox is growing oh i agree it's a great game uh minecraft is growing um there's a lot of old games like gt you know there's a lot of but my, my problem is 2017 plus okay that's that's what i'm looking at I think I, I think someone's gonna figure it out on the P, on the PC front. Whether it's Peria Chronicles, whether somebody else remains to be said. We'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, I I I got a shit on this Peria Chronicles parade, boys. Do you guys know when Peria Chronicles was first announced? I don't know. Uh, anyone have an idea? Anyone take a guess? Anyone take a guess? Twenty thirteen. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Holy shit! Guys, this game was announced five years ago, and and by the way, the announcement trailer was pretty much you know the same thing that we're seeing now. Um, here, I'll show you guys the 2014 trailer here. But this game, guys, is... Uh, <laughs> it's been five years. I don't know. Uh, but we will see. We will have an answer soon. Uh, Omar, did you know? In two more days, G-Star starts in Korea. Which is the oh, biggest that's Korean. a big one. It's a big one. So if if Perrier Chronicles is at G-Star 2017... It's not going to be. It's, it's not, not going to be. It's not going to be. Nope. I, I already looked at Nick Sun's lineup and it's not on that list. So we're not going to hear anything about Perrier Chronicles okay, for guys. a while. All right, if you're watching, guys, Perrier Chronicles is dead. I'm calling it. All right, I got to call it. I mean, five years ago they announced it, and it's not even going to be announced. It's not even going to make an appearance at, at G Star. I don't know. It's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, it's not going to make it there. I'm curious. We, we should hopefully. I'm hoping to see some big uh, PCM RPGs at G Star again. That's the premier event of the year where all the Korean developers show off what they're working on. So we'll have a lot of probably a lot of big news announcements this week on Mos.com as on, on the weekly recap as well. So next week's weekly recap should be pretty spicy. Oh yeah. So keep yeah, your eyes yeah, a lot of good it. stuff coming out uh, this weekend from G Star. Take a look at the take a look at the 
graph I sent you on the podcast chat, by the way. Sure. This is probably the most depressing and sad state of affairs for PCM RPGs. And look, I'm I'm optimistic. I I think we are on a we're on a downslope. I don't think it's terminal. I think there'll be a rebound eventually if we get some new innovations. But this chart is very depressing as a PC gamer, as a PC MO gamer. All right, I want to explain what's going on in this chart here. All right, this chart is from Antisoft's latest quarterly earnings, and they show where they make their money. So if you look at the Lineage, Lineage 2, Aeon, Blade and Soul, Guild Wars 2, you can see how much money they make from those games. If you add up all the money they make from basically every every category, every chart in this screen besides mobile games, you get about 110 million US dollars. The numbers are in you know billions of Korean won. It's, it's obviously confusing, right? But I'll translate the US dollars for you guys. So Antisoft makes 110 million dollars from Lineage, Lineage 2, Aeon, Blade and Soul, and Guild Wars 2 on the PC. These are their are their marquee franchises. These are the games that Antisoft was built on, right? A lot of these franchises. But then if you look at their mobile game revenue, they make about $500 million from mobile game revenue. And look at the growth from 3Q, 4Q, from, from like less than a year and a half ago, they had basically negligible mobile game revenues, basically zero. And it went from basically zero to $500 million <laughs> in the span of a year and a half. That's that's five times as much money as NC South makes off of all of their PC games, which have been running forever. Guild Wars 2 just launched a new expansion. Haha, <laughs> doesn't matter. If you look at Guild Wars 2, from 2Q17 to 3Q17 with the launch of Path of Fire, oh wow, they made an extra $5 million for that quarter, which is which is chump change to the $500 million they made in three months on their mobile games. And basically, you could say mobile games includes a lot more than those five games, but basically all that money comes from two games. Lineage, Lineage 2 Revolution and Lineage M is basically all of that revenue. So if you're anti-soft and you're on the board of directors, and somebody says, yo, I have a great idea. We should make a brand new PCM RPG. Like, you, you should get, like, hung. If you, you should get hanged if you said that. Because they would show you this chart and be like, are you retarded? Look where all the money comes from. And you want to make another game, like Lineage 2 on this chart, or Blade and Soul on this chart, Guild Wars? Why would you ever do that? All the money's in mobile. So I do think mobile is going to steal, or rather, get allocated a lot more of the development budget, which is very unfortunate because, you know, we're not going to see too many newer... PCM RPGs until something changes. Uh, definitely. Uh, I think uh, to, to sum up what I think of the future of gaming, just imagine three red gems combining and disappearing and reappearing over and over again. That is the future, boy. That's the future of gaming? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's bejeweled clones everywhere. <laughs> Look, but this, this kind of brings us to a broader discussion as well, which I'm curious what you think about. Because ultimately, I think, uh, I think the biggest argument against PCM RPGs is mobile. Mobile is killing it. I don't think, you know, PCM RPGs itself are necessarily that. I think mobile is taking away a big market share. But why isn't mobile necessarily killing uh, other games in the PC genre? Like, we've had new games on PC. Like, like Overwatch, for example. Blizzard is not a dumb company. They could have made Overwatch on mobile. They could have made a mobile shooter, right? But they didn't. They chose to make a PC shooter. Okay. In I think, I think what you're, de- you're describing uh, the, the order of events. I don't, I don't think any genre is immune to mobile. For example, all the big Korean, uh, Chinese companies, right? When they, they all announced their... PUBG clone, their Battle Royale clone. It was, you know, uh, NetEase announced one, Tencent announced one, but everything that got announced was a mobile game. So mobile version yeah. of PUBG. So I don't think uh, other genres are immune. It's just MMORPGs kind of went first. And the reason for that, I believe, is because MMORPGs have been less Twitch dependent. So what that, what I mean by that is the controls matter less in an MMORPG than they do in a shooter, for example. So mm-hmm. it translates easier to mobile. That's true. 
I think oh, somebody may mention why mobile is successful too, as well as uh, accessibility. Obviously, everyone's got a smartphone. I mean, think about this as well. Think about all your friends. I mean, I do want to say most people watching this podcast, most people here are, are generally, they play they play PC games, right? And I would say we're the more hardcore, we probably have better PCs than average, right? If you think about your friends that, that have PCs, I, they probably are gaming on a, on a garbage laptop that's like seven years old. Let's be real. Like the average yeah. PC is going to be a 1366 by 768 resolution laptop, which by the way, 1366 by 768 is the most popular resolution. In the, it's the most common resolution. You're probably all on 1920 by 1080. We're watching this stream or listening to this podcast. Like most of us are gamers on 1920 or higher. We're, I'm on 2K. I'm on 2K, so, baby. So most people, your average gamer has a average PC gamer has Paul, a duke to your PC. If you have a laptop that's 17 whatever resolution, okay, 1366 by 768. You're not a you're not a PC gamer. You can call yourself whatever you want. You're not a PC gamer. Uh, well, whatever. You're, you're borderline like you know downs, but <laughs> whatever. But yeah. But if you look at the average person's smartphone, the average person's got at most like a two, three-year phone. At most. But their PC is like seven years old. But the average phone is – people upgrade their phones every year or every other year. Some people wait a lot longer. But most people have constantly updated phones, which I think is what, what's enabling uh, mobile gaming as well. Definitely. And and look, uh, I don't want to get to the loot box discussion too quickly if we're not done here. Yeah, that's but a I think discussion. That, but here's the thing, guys. People want to blame EA or whatever, blame all these companies for the death of, you know, hardcore gaming or like uh, MRPGs or whatever. Here's the problem. People who are gaming on seven-year-old laptops, okay, but then dropping 1K on the new iPhone, okay? You're you're the death of PC gaming. That's it. You're the, you know, that's it. That, that's a problem. Not not EA, you know, not Blizzard. Um, the guy who won't, well. The guy who won't update his stupid-ass uh, HP laptop, but he doesn't mind, you know, spending 1K on a, on a phone. I, I agree, definitely. Uh, and PC, the average PC is really bad, and it, it does limit a lot what you know developers can do as well. They want to make their PCs, their games run on every possible machine, and people have so many old machines that they they got to kind of thumb down their game as well, visually and performance, everything. But I mean, us uh, if you want to be a hardcore mobile gamer, Mark, there is uh, there is some uh, optimism for you. Razer has announced a, a phone. Uh-huh. What do you think of this? Not, it's a it's a, don't get- it's a hardcore gamer phone, bro. The only cool thing about that Razer phone, by the way, is just it's got a high refresh rate. I think over 100 hertz, 144 hertz or something. That that's kind of cool, but like, I don't think it's gonna do well. I don't know. I, I think it's gonna be kind of niche. But again, if mobile game, I mean, mobile device gaming is everything on mobile. By the way, like all the app revenue, the app, app you know, the, the money that Google and Apple make off of apps, like most of that comes from gaming. So phones are basically mobile gaming devices anyway. So I guess it's kind of smart to enter that market, but I don't know. Here, I have a fun chart for you. I don't know if you've seen this yet, anymore. I'll link it to you in the um, chat as well. Um, this is okay. Quarter three, 2017 gross mobile game revenue worldwide. So the amount of money that mobile gaming has brought in worldwide has grown 26% quarter over uh, year over year from last year's, uh, quarter three. Mm-hmm. That's huge. 26% oh, growth. That's nuts. That's so much more than like the growth in PC gaming or anything. Yeah. PC gaming actually is is uh, expected to shrink slightly this year, guys, and, and that includes mm-hmm. revenue from PC gaming for uh, microtransactions for free to play games and you know boxed uh, uh, retail copies. So just... no, uh, I, I want to mention one more thing in mobile before we talk about Overwatch and loot box. There's a fun controversy there, but uh, if you look at look at this video, this is for Lineage Two uh, M. Uh, mm-hmm. NCSoft made a lot of money off Lineage Mobile, right? And I don't want to. Like, Mobile games aren't inherently bad, right? I think the problem is a lot of mobile, a lot of mobile games happen to be bad. I think, but I think you can you can capture an MMORPG essence on mobile if done correctly, 
we might. I'm hoping to see that with with RuneScape Mobile. And if you look at Lineage Two Mobile, it actually they're trying to capture and move. This actually is this the right trailer. I mean, it might be the wrong trailer, but anyway, you, you can see some actual gameplay here as well. Like they, they want to capture. They actually want to make Lineage Two port basically from PC to mobile because Lineage One Mobile was literally just a direct port of the PC version. So if you can have Lineage Two, which is a seamless world MMORPG on mobile, that'd be pretty badass. And what's crazy is actually NCSoft said. You basically need a Samsung Galaxy S8 or S9 to play this game. S9 is not even out yet, by the way. That's funny. They said you you can't play this game on, on a shit phone. Well, that's why you need so, the Razer phone, baby. But this is why you know <laughs> the fact that people are upgrading their mobile phones so often allows game developers, mobile game developers, to kind of always push the boundary on what they can do on mobile. Because people always have the latest phones, mm -hmm. and if they make their game for the latest devices, they're not losing a big market because of that. So I feel like that game could do really well, and I'm yeah. hoping that you know mobile games get better and they become more like real PC games instead of autoplay nonsense. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think, um, I don't know. I just don't know if the controls will allow the kind of uh, free willing that uh, the PC games allow. Who knows? I mean, Lineage 2 is a pretty complex game, especially in the compared to mobile games, right? And if they want to port over Lineage 2 with their seamless world, with all their abilities and stuff, they, ha they have to do something innovative with the control scheme, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think it's doable. It's not an insurmountable challenge. And I, I don't like the idea also of like maybe even like a gamepad attached to your or some wireless gamepad. It's I know it, it destroys the portability of it, but who knows? It could happen. You know, if you think about it, if you have a gamepad, it solves everything. Like, it solves all your MMORPG woes. Look, I don't like gamepads for MMORPGs, period, personally. Like, but people play and raid on Final Fantasy 14. They raid oh my with God. PS4 controllers. It happens. They do it. And it, it's not impossible people do it and people in the high end do it as well so if you have a companion device whether it's a gamepad or something that would fix the entire accessibility and, no, and control no 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 i no, no no i don't want to see i don't think i i, I don't think gamepads and, and phones are gonna are gonna go together guys i'm sorry just I, plug in your keyboard and mouse to your phone obviously all right i like that pistol good, good strat i think what you're gonna see before you see um uh controller is gonna be just uh how do I put this? Like, uh, like moving, moving your head, like your eyes, because you know how the new iPhone opens with your uh, facial scan. Yeah. So if maybe you know, you can you know blink or uh, use your eyebrows like up and down. That's like mm -hmm. you, can, you can you can control your guy that way. No, it's not gonna happen. Why? You can blink by accident, and then you actually no, 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 like, no, 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 your no, friend. No, 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 no. It's gotta be like a deliberate, like you know, one second blink. You know, so it's it's not something you can do automatically. I don't know. I feel like you. Can, I, feel, I feel like you can blink uh, by accident automatically, for, right? For a second, like a hold it down. You get like a sneeze coming out. You go, <gasps> and then you just pee whatever. Your and you're swing once. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Yeah, you swing and kill your friend. What? You, the guards kill you. <laughs> Questionable idea. I mean, I, I, I'm optimistic. Look, I'm optimistic that some of the mobile games we'll get in the future will be better, though. I mean, Black Desert looks pretty cool as well. Actually, I have to show you one, one last mobile thing before okay. we move on. Okay, one, one last mobile, mobile thing. thing. I love right. mobile, baby. All right, and and this is actually something to be hyped about. Okay, even for PC gamers, because look, I agree with most of you guys that mobile is kind of trash. There's no, there's no surprise there for me. But if you look at the Black Desert Mobile, it looks really cool, right? Black Desert Mobile looks awesome. And I'm hoping it is awesome, but until it's out yet, you know, I can't judge that. But first, look at the character creation trailer, which is the second video in the what I just linked to you. And show that to the stream. All right, I will show it to the stream. By the way, we've seen character creation on Lineage 2 Revolution. I've seen it in countless mobile games. They're fucking trash. Look at the character creation in, in uh, Black Desert Mobile. Wow. This is on a mobile client. It's very similar to the PC version. I mean, not as detailed, but it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. There's so much you can do there. Yeah. Look at this. That's remarkable. I can't believe a big budget game like, you know, Lineage Revolution had such trash tier 
you can choose like three hair colors and that's it. That's it. That, that's all the customization you'll ever get in Ladies 2 Revolution. And if you look at most mobile games, you get no customization. None. Zero. Zero. It's nada. So these guys are at least, there's some detail in Black Desert Mobile. You know, they're doing something. Oh, look at this. Look at look at this uh, this part of the video here where you see some person holding a phone. Yeah. Playing the game. Isn't that kind of cool though? Like this kind of gives me hope that mobile may not be the same trash that we're used to. You know, mobile is synonymous with like, oh my God, turn this off for most of us. You know, especially mobile MMORPGs, rather, because I do say some mobile games can be fun, but mobile MMORPGs for me have been very disappointing lately. Like everything I've tried has been pretty disappointing. Uh, yeah, I saw someone in chat just asked what what you know. That's all very nice with the character creation, but what will it look like in game? You know, with the um. Uh, so here's a little. Look at the second video. Yeah, here's yeah. A, here's a short clip of of actual gameplay. It does obviously you can't really see the detail that well, but it, it, it what it requires to swing, like yeah. what the actual mechanics are like, but you can see like killing shit. You know. Yeah. But. Kinda- this tells me too that they at least tried. Like the developers at, at Pearl Abyss were thinking, okay, look, we want to make a mobile game, but we don't want to make the same shit everyone else is doing. So the fact that they put the, the detail in the character creation, when every other mobile studio has zero appearance customization, mm-hmm. it kind of shows that they're trying to capture some of the PC magic, some of the magic that makes Black Desert work on PC on mobile. And if they have that mentality going into it, I think it could be really cool. You know what the thing? I wonder if uh, BDO Mobile is on their custom engine or not. I think I think it should be right. Because if it's on the custom engine uh, that Pearl Abyss made, at least it has a chance. Because I be, I feel like so like the Lineage uh, Revolution is really hampered by the Unreal Engine. You know that's why you have such shitty uh, character creation and stuff. But I'll say I can go for a Diablo like mobile BDO ARPG. Yeah, I could too. That sounds pretty awesome, actually. You know, maybe a Lineage, uh, not Lineage, uh, Moo Legend style Diablo style Path of Exile style mobile RPG could be really fun. Yeah, RPG, I think, would work really well on mobile, too. You, you know what's funny? I actually thought of Diablo 3 when I watched that uh, BDO mobile mm-hmm. gameplay trailer. I was thinking these numbers that come up when you swing, they look a lot like Diablo 3, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yep. So there's there's hope for mobile, guys. It's just, you know, right, we're still in the early innings, I think, of the of mobile gaming, you know? Like, we we, we only recently got out of the Flappy Birds and the and the garbage tier arcade games and the, these games. Give it another few years, I think it's going to hopefully get better. Yeah, I think it will, but I don't know if mobile. I don't think PC will get better. I think it's uh, at least in MMORPGs. I think I think the the zeitgeist has moved to other genres. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right, let's talk. Let's talk a little about Overwatch. The controversy okay. there. Oh, we talk about loot box as well. We talk about that guy banned. Take yeah. it away. Okay, I want to start with this one. I love it. I love it. So it seems like Blizzard now is banning people for picking a single hero. Okay, not for like trolling or trash talking or. Or harassing people but if you pick a hero okay and uh you don't want to change it and your teammates are like no we don't need that we need a healer you can get banned for that or at least suspended uh and this controversy started with a Tor- torbjorn uh main picker. torbjorn torbjorn get it right torbjorn picker torbjorn now it turns out this guy uh was actually kind of being toxic he was sitting in base right but mm-hmm. But other cases did come up, and Blizzard pretty much confirmed that they they do suspend for this. I highlighted a few of their uh, responses. Uh, I'll quote that. But playing as a team, which includes building an effective team composition, is a core part of the Overwatch experience. Sometimes that means switching off at your teammate's request. So you can read the full thing here. I don't want to you know misquote anything, but it does seem like they are suspending just for one tricking or picking one character regardless of what your teammates want or what works with the composition. Omar, what do you think of this? As a one-trick player in basically every game I play, I don't like it. And now, look, we I don't think we have a... Look, we the fact that 
the, the, that quote there very clearly tells me when I'm reading that is that one tricking is bannable. Because when yeah. you're saying that playing as a team is a core part of the overall experience, and that means switching off of your teammates' request, that is very... I don't like that. I hate that. Now, with the with the guy that got banned, the Torbjorn player, he created a shitstorm on, uh, on the subreddit for Overwatch and since deleted his post because he realized that, wait a minute, I'm fucked. Because some guy put a, uh, a Twitch replay out showing that he just literally AFK in base when somebody picked Torbjorn. Yeah. And he yeah. just... Yeah. Through the game on purpose, so he got he got banned for that. He didn't get banned for one tricking, but when somebody when Blizzard comes out and publicly says, you know what it takes and what Overwatch is about, it, it really kind of makes the situation seem like they're going to ban you for one tricking. And in fact, there's actually this post I want to show this one specifically. I think somebody appealed one of their bans, right? Mm-hmm. A 24 hour suspension, and I guess he appealed, it and this guy Blizzard responded saying, "This is game master, blah blah blah. I understand your predicament and sympathize with you. The reports that you received are not because you were playing a particular character in competitive." Uh, they are there because of your refusal to cooperate with the rest of your team, hence the disruptive player, the disruptive gameplay suspension. If that means that you're picking a particular character, completely ignoring the rest of your team composition and the request for people, and they cannot accommodate you to your playstyle, then the reports are justified, I'm afraid. They are saying outright that if you pick a specific character and you do not comply, and does not, if you ignore the rest of your team composition and you don't comply with the request of your team, that's a justifiable ban. For this reason, we are sadly not going to remove that 24-hour suspension on Overwatch. As a one-trick pony, I play Soldier 76 literally every single game. If you look at my Overwatch profile, I have over 100 hours on on Soldier 76 and probably one or two hours on Lucio as my second most played. And after that, less than one hour on every other hero. And as a one-trick player in League of Legends, I play Singed every single game. I have over probably 1,000 Singed games and probably less than 20 on any, any, other, any other hero. As a one-trick player in Dota 2, I play Pudge every game. And as a one-trick player in Heroes of the Storm, I play Gazlo every single game. I hate it. You know, it's it seems so counterproductive to ban for this. And I, I think it's awful. You, know, you can't ban someone who's playing to win just because they like playing a certain hero. All right, that's ready? that's that's a no-go. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna gaming red pill you right now, okay? All right, give me give me the pills. Let's okay. go. Give me that red pill. This is what happens, okay? When see, here's the thing. This all started. With the whole toxic thing. All right? Blizzard's like, okay, our games are going to be like for retards now. And like everything's cartoony now. So no more. You can't leave games. You can't You can't say racist shit. You can't swear. Okay. If you if you if if that's the mindset that you already yield to. If that's the game you're going to. If that's the kind of game you're going to make. This is the inevitable consequence. If you say our games. Nobody can have, nobody can have hurt feelings. Nobody can be sad when they play our game. Ever. Online. Then this is what you're going to get. You're going to get this nonsense. Uh, majority gets to tell the minority how to play. The majority gets to decide what what is fair and what's not. And this is what's going to happen. This is inevitable if you yield on the harassment stuff. Look, I agree with you, and here's, here's where I agree with you on. Uh, we had a pretty lengthy discussion in the past about whether you should ban leavers or you know griefers, right? People are intentionally throwing the game, and I think that's a justifiable ban, and you can you can impose those uh, standards on the community. But when you start imposing the toxicity thing. Toxicity is a very broad term, and disruptive behavior is a very broad term. And those words open Pandora's box to be able to basically let the majority fuck over the minority. In this case, it's clearly happening with Overwatch to a degree. Now, we don't know the context of surrounding some of these specific uh, you know, cases, but based on the GM responses, it seems to me that they are specifically banning people who don't change characters. Okay. Now, well, you, say, you say you make a distinction between... Banning. Yes. Okay. Now here's yes, what definitely. here's here's what I want you to talk about. Rather than look at Blizzard's specific reply in this story, I want you to over outline for me Blizzard's philosophy when it comes to dealing with behavior. What is their current philosophy versus during the StarCraft one, Diablo two days? Like what so go ahead, I want to hear what your 
what, what you think yeah, their they, philosophy is. I know what their philosophy is very clearly. They okay. clearly want to create a positive experience for yes. the majority of their players. And if that if that means if one guy plays somber only and it pisses off five people, even if they play, even if they carry the game, and that that guy gets reported, he'll get banned because Blizzard wants to accommodate those five other people. Okay, yeah, exactly. Rather than that one other okay. person. And, yes, and what was it before? Before they gave no fucks. Well, yes. Now, which mode do you think is fosters creativity and new genres? So, for example, in StarCraft One, Warcraft Three, they said, "Look, here's our product. Do with those, do, those do are with the game it. styles. No, do with it. Do with it what you will." Okay, no. everything is open. False comparison. Sky's the limit. False you, you can make a custom map called Nazis Kill the Jews. You could do that, you know, and you could have like peons that are just, you know, and the name of the peon is Jew, you know, whatever. And like, there's like a flamethrower unit that's like Hitler or whatever. I played games I, I, like I, that. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure there was a game like that on both StarCraft and Warcraft. Now, now, can you imagine that ever happening again in a Blizzard game? No. No. And that's why nothing creative will come out of Blizzard again. That's not a fair comparison. It is a fair comparison. Compare, you're comparing, my, my, remember when I talked about game 2.0 and Warcraft 2.0, you're comparing a different style of game, right? I don't think there's any create. I don't think banning people for for calling someone like the f the, like faggots and shit, right? That's that that is not stifling any creativity. It is. There's it no is. creativity being stifled by that at it all. Is. It is. Especially in, in the scheme of a game like the, Overwatch. You're right. That's specifically okay. We're gonna ban you for saying this. That is not stopping it, right? But the mindset that it takes, okay, the mindset it takes to want to enforce that. Like, if I make a game and I'm running a community and some guy says, uh, you know, some guy harasses someone or whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't even think to like that is my position to intervene there. But but but, no, if, but if my mindset now is okay, I will intervene. I'm like a paternal figure, a maternal figure. I'm not going to allow anyone to play the way I don't want them to play. And nothing and no new ideas will form. There is a distinction between banning players for disrupt for purely throwing games or leaving games and griefing versus banning players for picking one hero who doesn't subscribe to the meta and is upsetting players. And look, to a degree I Personally, I don't think it's Blizzard's or any gaming company's uh, purview to ban toxic players in terms of bad beat, in terms of just basically saying mean things. But when you're when you're literally disrupting the mechanics of the game by intentionally throwing, DCing, or doing some other bullshit, that's 100% bannable and it should be banned. If somebody says mean things to you online, I'm a-okay with Blizzard just not giving a fuck because that will not stifle any creativity, okay? If you ban people from from throwing games, no no creativity is being lost. And it's fine. And games have systems built in place to stop toxic behavior. It's called the mute feature, guys. The mute option is a remarkable feature, and it stops all toxicity online. Mute somebody, problem solved. Which is why these two things are not comparable. Look, it, it, and I think Blizzard's stance on banning people for, for throwing games is perfectly fine, and I support that. Okay, well then, guess what? You are feeding the mindset that I, that, that is causing this, this, the banning one trickers. If the what point the is the majority are gonna have should feel safe spaced and have fun, right? If that's if that's the it's goal. It's not about safe space and fun. It's not about safe space and fun. It's about the game mechanics just, just not functioning. The game is designed around a f people not leaving. It's designed in a specific way, and, and when you throw the completely out the window, it just ruins the game. The game is just, it's just no longer what well, it was meant to be. Well, that but that's well, the that, argument cannot be made for the that border between how breaking the game and not playing it the way it's supposed to be. That is where all new ideas come from. No, nothing good no. comes from just playing a game the way it's supposed to be played. That's like a, a monkey can do that by breaking games. That's where you get new genres. You get new games. How are you breaking games by 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 let's say calling someone a faggot? Like how, how is that creating any new value? You're not. You're not. Right. The point is you're not. You're not. You're not. You're, you're not impeding. What part of what part of, of just calling someone a scum bucket fag lord is going to create any kind of new value? It's, that's not my point. I don't understand the that. mentality. So, so, so banning uh, purely harassing behavior. I don't. Uh, I don't agree with. I don't think you have to do that because again, people have their own tools, right? But I think doing that is irrelevant. It's it's not it's not going to hurt the game that much anyway. They can waste their time doing that if they want to. I don't, I don't think it's going to create Look, anything. I, I think if you can, if you tell like a robot AI 
that, that that's running Overwatch. Okay, we're all gonna ban for you know swear or racism, ban for racism, and and that's it, right? If you if you tell the yep. robot that, the robot can enforce that, and that's fine. But I'm saying a human, when you give them, when you empower them with the mentality of now controlling and making sure everyone feels safe and happy in the zone, okay, they're gonna use it for things like this, banning people who play non-meta and stuff. Well, that's the problem. Then you can fix that. Yeah, I agree. I don't you. think you can fix that. I think it's like human no. nature. It's like forums. I, you, know, you give a mod look, power, they just start banning people for nothing. It's just, I think it's just human nature. I agree with you that there is some overlap in the thought process of banning toxic yeah. players, right? Yeah, people yeah. that say mean things and banning players who play one hero. There is some. Yes. I can understand yeah. how okay. a person tasked with cleaning up a game could just ban people for that as well. But that's a problem. You can address this issue. You can fix it. This is fixable. Uh, Games like League of Legends I don't think it's do fixable. not ban. Games like League of Legends, which by the way are much more successful and bigger than Overwatch. Do not ban for one tricking, and they've never banned. I think if I think if Leak came out today, it would. First of all, if Leak came out today, guys, I think half the female characters would have way more clothes than they do now. It's just it's kind of it's kind of grandfathered, you know, because no, they keep they keep adding new characters, bigger boobs. Again, it's it's grandfather. I'm telling you, no, they get the same. The people will be like, why are there no lesbians? Why are there no gays? Why is everyone naked? Like you're gonna. New games that come out are going to all add, They can add more lesbian characters. They can add some gay characters. We got Tarek. We're fine. I'm just saying it, it's kind of a League of Legends has a kind of a grandfather factor. You know, in StarCraft no, 1 bullshit. today, in StarCraft 1, I can log into blue, on the battle in the launcher. I can go to battle net and start swearing and saying Negro, Negro but nothing's going to happen to me, okay? <laughs> because uh, it's grandfathered in. You know, everyone, no one ex- Blizzard is not policing StarCraft 1 the same way they're policing uh, Overwatch today, even though they're both Blizzard games, right? But no, your graph already makes no sense. League still gets new heroes with like, look, they just added a swimsuit skin for uh for few. Look at this. You're telling me that? Hold the fuck up. Hold the front door. You tell me they just add. Look at the skin they just added to League of, Le- League of Legends. Are you kidding me? Look, I, I, the, the, oh, this might, this might have been official skin. Hold on. No, that, that, that's a bullshit skin. That, I'm not, that, that's I'm a not, fake skin. I'm not look, clicking don't, that. Don't click on it. I'm not clicking on that. That that's a custom skin. That's don't a custom don't skin. send me don't send me some nude skins, bro. I, I, uh, that was a custom I, I, skin. I'm already that, I'm already game. banned once today for saying a bad word. So I don't want to get banned again. Yeah, but my point is they add skins to League of Legends, which are still very uh, you know, they they, they add characters that are Oof. very busty with with you know that's fine. So, all right, all right. I don't think that's true at all. That we still get characters. We're still going to get characters that are that are busty that are waifu material. I don't think new. I, don't know. I think, I think a lot of new games characters. are going to be under a lot of pressure. I just that's what I feel. I feel if you guys like these sexy lady characters, you know, you know, make, enjoy it while you can. All right, the SJWs are going to take them away from us. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're still going to keep getting them. Uh, there's no problem there. But so look, Lee, if Lee can pull it off where they don't ban one trick players and they ban toxic behavior, what's the problem? There's there's no fundamental look, problem there. If you can find a supreme logical AI to do that, you're right. But like I said, I think the mentality is is what the problem is. I think one of the reasons that League is successful and Dota is not, League has, well, League, Dota is successful. I said one of the reasons League is more successful, League is more waifus, all right? Look, look, at, look at all the honeys in League, all right? Look at the honeys in Dota too. What do you got in Dota too? You got Lena. You get Crystal Maiden. That's it. Those are all the honeys, all right? What, what's left over? Nothing. All right? You look at League, you got so many honeys. You got so much more Rule 34 material for League of, for no, League of Legends. I mean, I, I, do, I do agree that the general overall aesthetic of the characters, I'm like, is not just because they're sexy, but like just they look better. Because they're sexy. Outside the sexiness, they look better, I think. Because um, I think so much... By the way, every hero in Dota, except for three, were actually original Warcraft 3 units. So the it's the aesthetic doesn't really match, if, if that makes sense. Like, they're just random... Like, different four different races, because Warcraft 3 had undead, orc, you know, humans, uh, and night elves. So the aesthetic doesn't match as well as a game that was made from the ground up with a single art style. True. 
Uh, I, I show. I, 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 I have to show you Evelyn's uh, rework in League of Legends. Are you telling me that the, the SJWs are going to ruin League well, of Legends? I mean, look, I, I'm agreeing with you right now. Uh, Overwatch does have revealing female characters. I, I get that, but I'm saying if it was being promoted as a new product today. Like it was being hyped, you know. They got the streamers to view it. All, all, you know. Like if it was, it was being made under today's, you know, n uh, zeitgeist. I think it would come under more pressure than than it did look, back then. Look at the image I just linked in in Twitch chat. All right, this is Evelyn's rework uh, model. All right, and she like seduces you. All right? I could be wrong about this, guys. It's not, I'm not. I'm not. This not like a. All right, all right. This is not a point of moment to die on. But like, I do think it's gonna. You're gonna get some of that. So I think no. Again, I don't think we're gonna. I think League is still gonna have the honeys and the waifus, and I don't think any SHW is gonna ruin it. I do think we'll get more like uh, gay characters and stuff like that, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. Like, who cares, right? If they're like a trench character or something, no skin off my back if it like fits the lore and it makes sense, and it it, it makes sense within the context of the game. I, I don't give a shit. I'm not offended by that. Like, who cares if a character is gay or they're lesbians or something else? Like, you know, whatever. Well, we, time will tell, guys. Time will tell. I do think we're gonna get more. Uh... Let's talk about loot boxes, all right? Loot all boxes right, have, been, right. uh, have been a a point of contention for this last week. And we had a pretty uh, interesting discussion in the pregame as well. Do you want to start Take off with, with the, the EA thing? Yeah. To, to bring start up with the EA thing. Why not? Okay, so, uh, I, again, I don't have the details. I think you read more about it than I did. But basically, uh, people were very upset with Electronic Arts for the Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, microtransaction model. And uh, EA tried to defend themselves on Reddit. And it became... That, that defense uh, Reddit post became the most downvoted story in Reddit history. So that's pretty That's impressive. And, and here's the that thing, guys. Impressive. Here's the thing. I thought it was just, you know, autists screeching about nothing. But they, they actually got results. So not, not, not what they wanted exactly. But EA did back, you know, EA did uh, make changes because of that uh, feedback. So it did work. Okay. So the, the, the problem was that in order to unlock Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker, right, the two most sought after characters in Star Wars history. Like when you're playing a Star Wars game, you want to play as uh, the two like most renowned characters, Darth Vader or Luke. You have to play the game either for four hundred dollars or spend like two hundred dollars on a loot box or some shit to unlock the content. You have to spend like lots of money to unlock the content. And that pissed off a lot of players. So you couldn't again you even bought the collector's edition, you bought whatever you want. There was no way to get that for free within the game. And I think this is a this is a a community of players just showing their frustration because I think Loot box as a whole, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with them. But the problem is when you lock too much gameplay stuff behind loot boxes and uh, microtransactions, period. I think Overwatch is a great example of a game that handles lock boxes really, really well. You, know, you spend 30 bucks, you, you get Overwatch. You get all the heroes, all the maps, everything, right? And the only thing that's in loot boxes are cosmetics, not gameplay-related stuff. So that works really, really well. So when you start putting con like core game content behind paywalls, people get pissed off. You know, and... I think what happened on the, you know Battlefront 2 is actually really good for the gaming industry. It it sent a message. I mean, again, a, the most downvoted comment in Reddit history. It shows that players are frustrated with this, and players did cancel pre-orders like in mass. Like maybe not enough to impact EA's bottom line, but probably tens of thousands of people canceled pre-orders. Maybe more, and that sends a message to EA that okay, we do we have to do a better balance between what we can get away with. You know, you can't you can't go too greed on the, on the loot box and microtransactions. There's, there's got to be a balance. Then what players will accept what's going to happen. And the fact that we got a result, I think, is amazing. Usually it is, like you said, autistic screeching, where people complain and nothing happens. But something actually did happen this time, so God bless. You, you know what I find funny about this story? First of all, EA, when they left a comment, they received 81 Reddit Gold uh, purchases or gifts. So I, who is the guy out there who Who's defending EA over no, here? No, not even defending, but like who, who bought an EA paid account? Like 
the guy running the EA community team Reddit account is a paid you know employee of, of EA. Who 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 which eighty one people thought it was a good idea to buy that person Reddit gold? I I don't, I don't get it, but it's funny. They're the guys that like microtransactions, right? They're really pro <laughs> microtransaction and every and every which way. Look, I do want to say, I actually do like microtransactions in a lot of games, right? And I do want to say there's a positive aspect of microtransactions. I feel like nobody really talks about, and I do think that there's a sense of like uh like randomness, RNG, and discovery. Like when I play Overwatch, like. For me, at least, I, I don't, I don't really particularly like. Oh my god, I gotta get the skin, right? Like, I'm not dying to get a skin. In fact, if, if if Overwatch had no loot boxes and every time you played a game, you get like currency, right? You use that currency to unlock whatever skins you want. Let's say the same price as in the store, right? I actually would not like that at all. I, I, there's a weird sense of like RNG gambling mechanic that actually makes rolling for a character more fun than buying the character outright. For me, at least, because oh. again, I, I don't particularly. I'm not dying to get a skin or a character in, in Overwatch, or you know cosmetic so the rng mechanic actually makes it more fun for me like i i enjoy the process of rolling just to test my luck you know i mean okay. i might roll high i might get good, good skins it, it makes it more fun for me because i'm not the addict that's gonna spend tons of money anyway so maybe obviously you can make the argument that it also preys on people's uh well, first you know, of all you can have you can have rolls without money involved like it can be in-game currency it can be uh yeah. like loot drops from monsters but anyway uh, before we get there i want to talk really quick about this whole it takes 40 hours to unlock uh, a character thing right yeah. Okay. First of all, what's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Like, here's I, I got a, I got a silver bullet in the chamber. Okay, ready? I'm gonna load yeah, my silver bullet. Do you guys remember Star Wars Galaxies? I know there's at least one guy in this chat here who's a big fan. But in Star Wars Galaxies, yeah. first of all, I walked into a store, I bought it. Okay, I think it was like fifty dollars or something. Then I had to subscribe every every month at a fee, fifteen dollars a month a fee. And mm -hmm. that game, it took hundreds of hours to become a Jedi. Okay, hundreds of hours, maybe more. That's true, actually. So, so actually pretty what are you whining about? So you buy a game, Star Wars, you play online, or Star Wars Battlefront. Okay, it takes you 40 hours to get, you know, to be a character. Who gives a shit? Deal with it. You know, what do you want? Like, uh, don't play if you don't want it. Like, it's just one character. Like, I don't know. It's just, that, that's an MMO. No problem. It's different. It's not different. It's not, well, has it, oh, by the way, a lot of well, games shooter... are trying to go more MMO. Like, the, EA is obviously trying to incorporate more um, persistence, more progression in their in their games, including their, especially their online right. Uh, the yeah. argument is that here's the argument that is different. Okay, I'm, I don't necessarily agree with this argument, but I can understand why you make the distinction. The distinction is that in a game like Battlefront 2, what characters you have access to matters for game balance, right? Somebody who might have Darth Vader would be just objectively more powerful than somebody who doesn't have Darth Vader. Okay, Whereas an same MMO, thing. Like, so, yes, uh, a Jedi is arguably much stronger than any other character class in an MMO. But Star Wars Galaxy did not have open world PvP, if I remember correctly. Did you just PK anyone anywhere? Uh, yeah, you? you can. You can. No, you can. You can. There was, there was open PvP. Okay, if there's no PvP, there's no difference then. It did. There was definitely PvP, especially right. well, the I... faction base. Like, um, guilds could go to battle, and then um, if you were if you were you know rebel versus empire, there was yeah. a whole bunch of. Um... It was I, very I, asymmetrical. I don't, the, I, don't, I don't remember the PvP in Star Wars. I, I remember duels we had. No, no, there, there was there was the open factional, uh, stuff. But, but no, it, it was optional. You had to change your faction settings to do it. You had to actually enable that, right? So whereas a game like Battlefront Two. Is literally all PvP like Battlefield. You're literally playing a shooter, and having access to all the characters. I can understand being more important. I, I no. So first of all, but also the, the biggest cancer of multiplayer gaming is is this pursuit of balance. I think asymmetrical gameplay is 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 the beautiful is a beautiful aspect of gameplay. That's that's true as well. Also, what about this argument that uh, here's another argument that this is not that big of a deal. And I, I do think they have to, I, I do think I do think it was a mistake for EA to do this because I think they should have went the the Overwatch route and. 
use cosmetics for microtransactions and not put gameplay stuff behind that shit because that pisses players off like no tomorrow. League of Legends gets away with this, which is remarkable to me. League of Legends, as is, in order to unlock all the heroes in League of Legends, all the champions, you have to spend probably over a thousand hours in the game to unlock all, all the champions. And, and if maybe even more. You can't and you can't even buy the game up front and get all the heroes. Like you can't buy a collection edition and get all the heroes in the game for free. Mm-hmm. You have to literally either spend thousands of hours playing League of Legends or thousands of dollars unlocking all the heroes. Yeah. And arguably it's a gameplay mechanic as well. If somebody has access to a hero, you don't, you are literally playing at a disadvantage. The most successful PC game in the world, and one of the most successful PC games in the world, period, is League of Legends. It makes over $1.8 billion a year, and it's completely paid to win if you look at it from that angle, where heroes and stuff are literally behind paywalls. So why is it that, um, yeah, Lolly is free, you're right, but it's still paywalls over there too. But here's a tw- it, does Battlefront have single-player content? I'm pretty sure it's got some campaign content which you're paying for. So that, that, in, that, in that case, this whole, well, it's free, it's not free, goes out the window. It's kind of like StarCraft 2. Um, the box buys you the campaigns, whereas the multiplayer is is free. So anyway, um, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can look at it that way as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. But you can't have the distinction of buying just the multiplayer too. Then, whereas in League, you can just try the game out. Yeah, so that, that, that's a fair. That's a fair point. League is there's no entry fee for League of Legends, so they can get away with more stuff. I bet Probably, you. Yeah. I bet you. So many players who buy Battlefront two are not even going to play online. They're just buying it for the single player experience. You're probably right. Actually, I feel like we also kind of misjudge that a lot. You know, yeah. multiplayer is important to us as PC gamers mostly. But I'm sure a lot of people play all the new Call of Duties just for the story. They don't even play online. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I don't buy this whole. Well, this is pre. This costs money. League is free. League gets super pass, uh, and but this game doesn't. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that because they're off. You know, this it's a different. Uh, but, but why does it get a pass for being what you know? I don't. Give it, I I don't give it a pass. I'm just saying that's. I've been hearing that in, in chat. Yeah, it does get a pass as well. But I, I don't think it's a fair distinction either. Like, yeah. if they can get away with it just because the game is free, like, it's still very pay to win because. There's over 100 heroes, and it would cost you thousands of dollars to unlock all of them. You could say unlocking one hero will cost you like 10 bucks, right? Or playing the game for like 10 hours, 5, 10 hours, right? However long it takes to get the 7,900 IP, or Blue Essence now it's called. It could take a long time to unlock a single hero, but you have to unlock all the heroes if you want to be on an equal footing with somebody else. If somebody's drafting a team, and you don't have access to all the heroes for your draft and your counterpicks, you are playing at a material disadvantage. Yeah, definitely. Which is uh, interesting, because, uh, yeah, as someone said in chat, Dota... Dota's probably is super fair. Dota's like Path of Exile. Actually, even yeah. fairer than Path of Exile. At least Path of Exile sells inventory zero, slots. Zero, zero, one. It yeah. gets a pass because they owe you nothing. That's an interesting perspective. Spoilers for you. EA owes you nothing. You are, <laughs> you buy their game on their terms. You buy the game for sixty bucks, and, and, and they could they, 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 they could turn they could put a microtransaction for online play. You want to play online? Another another hundred bucks for playing online. They owe you nothing, buddy. Spoilers. They owe you nothing. Nobody owes you anything. That's their product. They can sell for what they want. So this idea that. Look, I hate to be the one defending EA over here too, because oh, I don't want. To. I converted I think, I, you, I, baby. I think no. I think they made a dumb decision. Period. Right. I think they could have made more money and by being better with the consumer. They follow the Overwatch model of only charging, selling cosmetics and loot boxes. It'd be way smarter for them. However, I do agree that they they don't fundamentally owe you the player anything. It's their product, and they can sell the product to you at the price that they want. And you, as a consumer, have an option: either buy the product or don't buy the product. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the products we get in the marketplace. Is a is, is a, almost like a compromise between what players will, are willing to shell out for and, and, and what developers want to get. Ultimately, the developer wants to nickel and dime you for every penny you have. If, if EA or Blizzard could get away with charging ten thousand dollars for their game, they would love to do it. And you, as the consumer, would love to pay one penny or nothing to get all the content. We players want everything for free. Developers want to give away nothing for free. 
And ultimately, where we meet in the middle is called equilibrium. It's, it's, it's an economics term right in deep, the middle between deep, supply and demand. Deep. It's the equilibrium. But I, I think it goes broader than that. I think people don't know what they they want or what they're willing to pay for. I'll give you an mm -hmm. example. Path of Exile is free. Uh, it, 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 you, can, you, you can pay for extra bank stashes. Okay, just think Diablo 2, okay? Yep. Now, I've done it three times. I spent 60 bucks on Path of Exile on bank space. Okay, based stash space. Now, stash space... Mm -hmm. Uh, there was no way to buy more of it in Diablo 2. What you have to do is make more characters and more accounts as mules. I could have just done that with Path of Exile. Like, I could have just made a free... The game is free, too. Like, I could have just made free accounts to hold my shit. But I didn't. I was willing to pay for that very slight convenience. But if Path of Exile cost 60 bucks up front, and there was, like, you know, plenty of bank space, maybe I wouldn't have bought it. Maybe I would have waited until, like, a sale for 5 bucks or something. I, I, I probably would not have paid that 60 bucks up front. But they they got That's me. Fair. They reeled me in slowly. So I don't think people know no. what they want. Um, and it shows, you know, like how well mobile games are doing. People are spending money. We're seeing loot box in Guild Wars too. We're seeing the Smite. We we see League of Legends now. Loot box are, are making their way everywhere. I know. Uh, this week, loot box have been a pretty a touchy issue because Jim Sterling doubled down on the fact that he hates loot boxes and he blames Overwatch for basically normalizing and creating a trend for loot boxes here in the West. How do you feel about that? Should Overwatch be blamed for normalizing loot boxes in games? No, no. I think I think uh, it goes back much further than Overwatch. Uh, maybe he's saying um, Overwatch made it popular for big Western studios, but if you look at the money, if you follow the money, uh, the money has been in Asia, East Asia, uh, in gaming for a long time now, and they've been doing loot boxes and gotchas, and you know, fail to upgrade your plus nine to plus ten. Uh, equipment so it breaks and you gotta spend another thousand dollars they've been doing that for for years in asia and that's where the money has been so if anything i think the big western studios are actually behind behind the curve on this so yeah, in no way that in no in no way that they are they pi uh, in no way are any of the big western studios pioneering this they're just they're playing catch-up that's true as well and again somebody about comparing casinos about companies owing us anything again that that's a much more broader issue uh, about regulation and what governments can and should do but uh that's when you're strictly dealing with rng mechanics you can maybe make an argument that companies should tell us what the rates are you know you, they can maybe make a law to tell us what in china for example for loot boxes you're, they're required to disclose what the what the drop rates are there are lots of people think drop rates are whatever the fuck they want right but they have to tell you what they are so i could see that happening here in the west but i don't think it's still you know, that that's that's the limit to the regulation you can do with uh you know regulating these companies but if they want to charge a microtransaction for whatever they want, you can do that without loot boxes as well. You can, you know, you could sell a game and then charge money for online play. And in fact, you can even make it so every time you play an online match, they charge you ten cents. You know, they can make it almost like a per coin model if they wanted to. So that that that, that doesn't really restrict microtransactions at all. I got I got a question, guys. Were hmm? arcades really just the first microtransaction games? Ooh, <laughs> they were. I guess it was more microtransactions. Every every you know every time you put money in. Yeah. Microtransaction. That's fair. Yeah, no, loot boxes are here to stay. Again, we're seeing it in so many games now. Even like Guild Wars Two, which people thought would never have loot boxes and stuff, they're adding it. So many games are gonna be adding loot boxes to their game. And if done well, I really don't think it's a problem. The keyword is done well. Do the Overwatch model. Make it fair. Don't you know? Put only skins in there. Don't put gameplay related stuff back behind the loot box. And I think people aren't gonna complain. Well, some people will always complain, right? But I don't think it's gonna change the game too much. Uh, actually, you know, speaking of League and how it's, you know, uh, now it's considered an older game. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't they, besides redoing the Runes and Masteries, didn't they also kind of 
introduce like this loot box system as well? Yeah. Yeah. Every time you level up, you get a loot box now. And, and and there's no limit to leveling anymore. It's not thirty. No. And, and you just keep getting. So it's like Overwatch almost. Yeah. So you can you and you can buy loot boxes now to get like before. It's amazing actually. League of Legends, you could you get to buy your skins outright, right? You know, you get to buy the skins you wanted in the game store for cash. Right points. Now you have to buy loot boxes for them. There are certain skins you can only get from loot boxes, right? You can still buy all, all you know a lot of existing skins from the cash from the regular cash shop, but they're so smart now because if they release rare skins and you can only get in loot boxes. People are going to be buying loot boxes like crazy. It's a brilliant idea on their part. Indeed. Actually, going back to Star Wars real quick, guys. All right. I think uh, I think this will make you guys even matter. But here we go. Don't you think spend having to spend forty hours to unlock Luke or Darth Vader? To me, that's kind of a plus. Like, why, why do you want to have everything the day you pay for it? Like, this this um, like in Path of Exile, if I if somebody gave me the best gear possible, right? And I could just kill. I could just face roll everything. I'd play it for like an hour, and then I'd quit. You know, like what am I at that point? What am I supposed to do? So, I think the fact that you have aspirational, like some goal, like okay, that's I, not that's not. I'm saving for Luke. I think that's a great uh, content. No, hold on. It, it depends on if you're playing a shooter like Battlefront Two, where it's literally a competitive multiplayer game. No, no, no. It's a campaign. It, it's a campaign, baby. What? It, it, you just because, and that's the worst thing. You are making a comp- you should you know, if you want to take it competitively and seriously that's that's on you the game is is for fun that's what it's for look it can be done correctly with unlockable content weapons and stuff like that I think Battlefield has that a lot of shooting games have that and that's fine but it, I can understand the frustration of players when you 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 lock marquee characters like Luke and Darth Vader behind a paywall and look with games like Battlefront I would actually say most people play those games for online play there are I, not every game people play online, right? But I would say games like Battlefield, all the Battlefield games, people okay. play most. Let me online. let me let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Okay, so I played the Battlefield series, which uh, Battlefront is built on, from the from the start, 1942. Okay, Battlefield 1942. Now, there were some games I played sp- shooters specifically to be on the top of the frag list. You know, games like Quake, Unreal, right? You wanted to be top dog, but I never really played Battlefield 1942 just to be uh, have the most kills. Okay. The, the experience of exploring those levels, going to quirky like places where people don't expect me, the vehicles, the airplanes, you know, the you know running people over with the jeep for fun, like seeing if I can how many people I can kill with the jeep. It, it was Wait. so much bigger than a, a frag list. So the fact that um, you know, the fact that different characters have different you know I guess stats or affects gameplay. Like in, in I think it's that's fine. All right, hold on, hold on. I think the, the, the good point was just made in chat. I'm curious how you feel about this. Um. Tam Crude and Binzmani just said, if you could, if you get to unlock Darth Vader for 40 hours of gameplay, nobody has a problem with that. Okay. Provided you couldn't pay your way to it. That okay. seems to be the problem. So you can't, your example with Star Wars Galaxies doesn't make sense because you had to unlock Jedi after playing months of the game, hardcore. Yeah. Well, but there was no way to pay money to unlock it. Sure there was. It's called, uh, you know, it was like buying an account. That yeah, has buying an account. Yeah, but but that was the that was to the gray market. You know? That was the black market. It was, the developer itself didn't sell it to you. Okay. Now the problem seems to be a perceived sense of fairness. Okay, but here's the thing, it's they they gotta make money. This is this is the thing. This is how it's like it's like you, you want to go to a club with your friends, all right? You want to go to the cool nightclub. It's called it's called it's called Jade, all right? You want to go to Jade. <laughs> Jade Sounds op- pretty cool. Jade opens at uh, midnight, all right? You get there at midnight with your with your posse, you and your posse. But guess what? There's already like there's already a like hundred people waiting in line already. So now you gotta go back in the line, baby. Okay, and you wait, mm-hmm. you wait to get in, or you know what you can do. There's a second line. line. Yeah, the VIP line. If you're willing to buy like a table and a bottle service, you know, you pay $2,000 for uh, the bottle of vodka that costs $10, uh, you know, down the street. 
that's that's life, guys. I don't know where you know like the the, the standard you're applying to these games exists nowhere else in life. So I don't know why you feel no, like that. That's actually a fair point. I, I I agree with you there. The standard that you're apply that gamers are applying doesn't exist anywhere else in life. So that, I think your your nightclub example makes sense. Boom. Because people, the idea that you can pay your way to better, yeah. uh, greater and better things exists in every facet of life. Mm-hmm. Just, just what is, what's, the, what's the problem with that comparison? I'm curious. Wash dishes for 40 hours to get into the club. That'd be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're the gr- <laughs> uh, that's pretty, I mean, ultimately, look, here's what it comes down to. Like, there's no, there is a sense of unfairness, but I think people have to realize that video games are, uh, are, are, are business, okay? Battlefront 2 exists solely for one reason. It's not to entertain you. It exists for one and only one reason, is to make money, okay? EA exists to make money. Blizzard exists to make money. All our favorite game companies provide the non-profits, but I don't know any non-profit game company that any of us have ever heard of. They exist to make money. And they're going to make stuff like microtransactions to make money. And we as players want one thing. We want to be able to get the most content. We want the most gameplay for free. We want to pay as little as possible for the most content. Again, back to my equilibrium discussion. You, game developers want everything for the most money. Players want everything for the least money. So I understand why we no, want. No, hold up, hold up. I I contest that. I think there are a lot of players who want to play Darth Vader, right? Who don't mm-hmm. have the time, but they have the money. These are guys, you know, these are lawyers who work eighty hours a week or whatever. So it's just two ways of paying for the same content: time or money. So I don't, well. I don't think people want everything for zero. You know, I think some people are willing to pay and they don't want to, you know, unlock it in game. And I, I think it's equally bad to say, you well, guess what, uh, Mr. Lawyer, you can never get to play Darth Vader because it takes 40 hours and there's no way to pay for it. And if you try buying it from someone else, it would be on your account, okay? That guy can never play it then. So why is it different that that guy can never play it versus you can never play it because you, you, you don't want to work, you don't want to wash dishes at McDonald's for two hours so you can buy the damn game. That, that, that's a good point. Okay. People seem to be complaining that people that can pay their way to it is unfair, but you did make a, we, we talked about lots of MMORPGs that pay to win as well. If someone can pay real life money, like if he doesn't have 40 hours to grind, I think everyone's basically okay that if it spends 40 hours to unlock it, everyone's going to be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. But they're not okay with paying your way to it. Yeah. But you know, some people, because... some people got to pay the mortgage. You know, they got to pay the car payment. They got to, they got to, they got to pay for their kids. You know, they got to pay for their uh, wife who's buying all these handbags for a thousand dollars. Yeah, because if you want to talk about fairness, fairness goes. If you want to make a game fair, like your are you know, everyone has their own different perception of fairness. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have ten hours a day to blow playing video games, and this guy's got to work eight hours a day, he sleeps eight hours a day, he commutes two hours. He's got like. He's got two hours of his own free time, and that's it. Yeah, and so if you read the comments, something uh, the, the sentiment seems to be then don't play the game if you don't have the time. But why is that any more valid than me saying, well, don't play the game if you don't have the money? Yeah, that's, that's literally no different than <laughs> don't play the game if you can't afford it. Yeah. Or, or deal with it, punk. You know, get, go, go, go get a job. My point is, I, I don't want to defend either argument. The point is, I think either argument, they're both equally fair arguments. Yeah. And I can understand from one perspective you feel that way, but I can also understand the perspective of the guy who works all day I understand. Look, he wants to play Darth Vader. He doesn't have eight hours. He would love to play this game ten hours a day, but he doesn't have the time. And you, as the player, maybe are okay with unlocking the content because you know you don't want to spend extra money. So I don't think there's anything. You know, there's nothing morally wrong. I think EA is doing right here. The problem is, I personally they made a bad business. They made a bad business decision. That's what I think. Because I think if they just made all this stuff available for free and just charge money for cosmetics. It would piss off less players. They'd get more sales. Yeah, I think they made a bad business decision. However, I don't think they did anything fundamentally morally I, wrong. I think they made a bad PR decisions here. Some they, they handled this very poorly. 
Um, there are lots of games that are very popular that are more pay to win than than Battlefront 2, even as it was originally built. And yet people, you know, they seem to be doing fine. And it's paid, we're, apparently we're pay to win apologists now. I don't know. I, get it. I think people people want games for as little as possible. Developers want as much money as possible. I mean, if you ultimately we the players are always to blame as well. Okay, look, if you don't like the direction games are going, don't buy the games that do the shit you don't like. It's simple as that. And what, what the reality is, the microtransactions and pay to win is what people want. That's a fact of life. And here's why: people are spending money on it, right? Don't spend any money on this shit. It won't happen. There's, if there's no money to be made in microtransactions, if a game developer thinks, "Oh shit," if we add loot boxes. Nobody's gonna buy our games anymore. Spoilers, they're never gonna make a loot box game. The fact that they're doing it tells us that people are willing to spend money on it. And the problem is, when you start calling other people like, you know, when you start insulting other people how they spend their money, you're not being productive. You're just being an asshole, all right? I think, it's, I think ultimately, guys, look, as gaming evolves and becomes more, as gaming, as internet grows, right? Basically what's happening is gaming and the real world are meshing together. So in the past, there was no way to really pay for stuff in game. Now you know us dollars is just another currency in, in most games right this is only going to get bigger so i think you guys we, we need to all find a way to have our own fun in a game so if mm -hmm. that means being the shitty stormtrooper with like a 20 percent hit rate okay that's another thing i would love to play a battlefront game a battle you know where there's like a hundred uh stormtroopers versus like two jedis right and like the, the, the stormtroopers are like the ricky dicky you know free free to play players and they you know they miss like 90 percent of their shots but they gotta like work together against the two you know paying jedi that'd be so cool like so there's so much room for asymmetrical gameplay like this where the payers are motivated to keep paying because they keep getting overwhelmed by the free players and the free players have to be smart and nimble and quick with their mouse to overcome yeah. the payers there's so many opportunities uh that don't just get say no no money this has to be pure no. And actually, there's something to said too about if you imagine you're playing like Battlefront, or Battlefront Five, okay? In the future, where it's it's exactly described. You're playing your default free-to-play character is is a stormtrooper that's like a 10% hit rate. You do one tenth of damage as a fucking elite rebel fighter, right? And he just does ten times more damage. And imagine he spent a thousand dollars on that on that character. You spent nothing, right? If you kick his ass as a fucking gimp ass stormtrooper, and he's got this pay-to-win character, you can make fun of this guy all day. What a fucking idiot! He spent a thousand dollars and he still sucks dick. That gives an opportunity, you know? Yeah, Tim Crew I, would just... love to, I would love to destroy some kid who spends money on a game with a free-to-play like character with, with trash tier. It'd be, it'd be an amazing feeling. So, uh, I think we just explained why the Stormtroopers have shit aim in the movies. They they uh, they didn't buy the loot boxes. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, with that, guys, we, <laughs> we, 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 we are out of time. Thing. We are out of time. But, uh... Let's take one more thing here. One more thing okay, here. Okay, go. Keep... All right, last thing. Let's go. All right, last thing. We are running out of time for the YouTube show, though. But we'll continue the post-game as well. But ultimately... I do want to say people have to vote with their wallet, right? If you if you don't like what you see in a game, you have to be willing to just not buy the game. And mm -hmm. but but here's the reality: I think people are denying. There is a reality that most of us gamers on Reddit and are the vocal gamers on Discord, we're all missing something, and it's it's bizarre. We're, I can't. It's it's amazing that everyone's missing this. The reality is people are willing to pay for pay to win, and it's not just some people. The majority. The fact is the people that are crying about pay to win or calling us pay to win apologists. Look, I don't like pay to win either, but I realized something. I realized we are the minority. The people kicking and screaming about pay to win, about microtransactions, we are the minority. And that's just a like, close minority. We are a tiny minority. The fact that every game that adds the pay to win games make a shit ton of money, and that just, they have a lot of players. People are willing to pay and play these games. So that's the business model that works. And and it does provide joy to some people, like Altai was saying about the guy who can't 
afford to spend 40 hours grinding a character is willing to pay money. It gives that guy enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the our frustrations are a minority of the, of the joy and other benefits this creates. Again, I don't like this shit either, but I recognize I'm the minority. And I feel like people that are complaining about this have to realize that as well. And Reddit is a is an echo chamber of the more hardcore players. The casuals don't go on Reddit. They don't go on forums. They don't bitch. They just quietly buy the game and spend their money. That's the reality. And no amount of, you can't call the guy who spends money a faggot. Is that going to fix the problem? That's that's just being an asshole. You as a player can determine the games you support. If people on Reddit, if the more hardcore community only supports games that do the business models they like, we're going to get more of those games. I, we're still going to pay to win games think, because a lot of people do like that shit. I definitely think we should do what we can to push for what I said, asymmetrical gameplay. So swarms of free players, you know, versus a small a minority of much more powerful characters. That I think that's the only way to accommodate this, where both fe people feel satisfied. The payers can pay, and the you know the the, the free players can swarm and use tactics to overwhelm. Um, but that's that's hopefully we'll see a game like that. I don't know uh, if we will or not. But incidentally, it was games. It was engines like Warcraft Three that gave us games like that. You know, Island Defense, um, Cat vs Mouse, the vampirism, those old War Three custom maps. Really, I think did a great job with that kind of asymmetrical gameplay. Hardcore gamers need to make games that are fair and more profitable for game developers. And we have to buy and support the games that follow fair business practices well, as we view them. Otherwise, the only route is going to be this other stuff. Right. Well, we can. I, I don't consider myself. I, I, I call out pay to win when I see it, you know? I, and I don't, I don't support those games. But it's the reality. I like pay to win, somebody says. But that's. We have to realize that these games exist to make money and. You know, the the best we can do is vote with our wallets. You know that that's that's the only thing in our control. All right. Well, I'm gonna call it, guys. So stick around for the All post right. game. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll find a lot Later more to you yell too. about. Yep. Take care, you two. Catch it's us always live. stuff to yell about. All right. I love yelling about things. All right. Take it easy.